Howdy, comrades. Welcome to the Pierced Poets Party. This is your local-ish center of the herd here once again with Walsh. I think that if you continue saying local-ish, maybe don't even say it at all. <laughs> Depends on where it's uh, where it's airing. I mean, I'm local to the planet Earth, you know. Okay, then just say local because I don't think we're I don't think we're going out <laughs> into the rest of the just solar lo- system. I'm just implying that it's local relative to you know, your perspective on localities, I guess. I would say you're not local to me. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I'm local-ish to you. So. I don't know if I would even go that far. <laughs> Today on the Pierced Poets Party, list-making essentials for the aspiring list maker. But don't feel excluded if you are an uh, amateur or even professional list maker. We might have something for you. Just uh, maybe a good refresher. Today on list making essentials, I don't, I don't want to know why I'm saying it like that. I don't, I don't think it's going to be a series because it has a lot of finality to what we've written out. But um, going to separate this into a, a three part breakdown. Uh, we're going to do a little defense of lists. I know there are those of you out there who are anti-list or perhaps less aggressively feel like lists are unimportant or unworthy of an entire half-hour chat. And to you, I say, please turn the volume down and just let this episode play so we get the full stream, even if you don't want to know what I have to say. (laughs) No, no, no. Give us a chance. Let Let us make the case for list making. So part one will be in defense of lists. Um, I live with someone who claims to hate, you know, favorites and uh, often doesn't see the value in list making as a casual practice. But even that human being still makes lists unknowingly. So we'll get into that in defense of lists. And I'm going, I'm already sick of saying that word. So maybe we have an alternative lists. It's just, oh, that, that STS is terrible. I'm going to have to keep it in the singular form. Part two will be a general guide to the uninitiated. Why are you here? You know, what is up with list making? And part three will be, you know, 10 list making skills that I feel will uh, improve your list making. Or at least improve your enjoyment of list making. Any questions, Walsh? No, I love lists. I'm just I'm eager to talk about them and learn more than I may even know now. Do you have any lists that you update regularly or that you hold near and dear to your heart? Um well I I always find new ways to make lists. Um Obviously, lists of preferences for um, festivals and things like that are the most uh, regularly scheduled lists. But on any given day, I can find Mm. 20 to 30 reasons to make a list. Yeah, it's a good list of reasons. Um, I feel like 
this pod feed is a relevant place. I feel like I need to say this to post this um, little breakdown uh, because we want to build at the Pierced Poets Party a community of Pierced Poets to party with. And we, the nerds and or geniuses that we are, tend to speak in and communicate in and just enjoy lists. Um, So uh, often in correspondence with co-collaborators, interlocutors, and maybe the eventual fan even, uh, I feel like we'll often be exchanging lists and I feel like getting on uh, the same or similar linguistic page is good for all of us. And I uh, just, in general, feel like music podcasts, music platforms tend to operate in list-making form. I mean, our primary mode of communication is playlists, which are a list in and of themselves, of course. Uh, probably the most common one that we discuss and put out here. So, without further ado, uh, listen, no pun intended, because it really should not be spelled like that. It should just be L-I-S-S-E-N. But listen anyway, we, we know that you love lists, okay? We just know it. Maybe you hate choosing favorites, or you have bad associative memories with needing to make massive to-do lists to survive your unnecessary undergraduate degree. But I am nigh certain that there is a place for lists in your life, whether it's just the standard grocery list or a list of, you know, people that you can trust, uh, you know, your emergency contacts, <laughs> your, you know, the places that you store all of your, your secret diamonds, or even just, you know, the list on your GPS of, you know, your favorite scenic cemeteries. There are certainly lists in your life that you hold near and near. They may not be ordered. They may not be, you know, hierarchical. But uh, we as humans are categorical beings. We like to separate things into categories. We know from psychology and we hope from, you know, millennia of discussing in philosophy the epistemics of categorization in phenomenology that as we experience the world around us, we immediately put pretty much everything that we sense into various mental categories. And those are lists in themselves. So it is not a crime. It is not unnatural to want to order things in this, in this manner. Uh, And I think even it, it satisfies a kind of, list-making itch in our brain to, to write things out this way. In light preparation for this uh, defense, when I was looking up other similar defenses, you know, there was a defense of listicles, which I don't know if those are still a big thing, but I'm sure that they're, you know, popular uh, on at least those kind of alt-pressy websites that are often just pumping out little short list articles. Um it's just easy for us to consume that kind of content because we feel like we've accomplished something really quickly. Even if there's not a lot of subtext, you know, beneath each listed point, our brains can say, we're sequentially going through, you know, the top seven worst albums of 1997. And we know exactly where we stand when we're at, you know, list item number four, how long we have left and our brains feel accomplished once we get to the end. And it's easy for us to memorize and remember and recall things that are in list order 
uh, because we tend to, most humans, as far as I have read, tend to remember things spatially. So putting things in lists uh, helps us to recall where things kind of sit on that list and helps us to memorize and remember things a little bit better. So that's my brief introduction. Uh, is there any defense that you want to put up to the, the list haters or those who think that lists are reductive in any way? Walsh? Well, I think, I think something that um, a lot of people may not like about lists is it's they're they're scared of taking a hard stance on anything or or making um something a definitive ranking and at at that point i would respond that lists are fluid Mm. nothing is ever set in stone lists are ever changing they should be so you can look back at lists made by even yourself mere days ago and disagree with that list. And that's fine because you're a different person than you were when you made that list. Lists evolve with you. They're an indelible part of who you are. You're constantly making lists when you're unaware of them. So to be a human is to be a list maker. And that's not something you should be afraid of. I agree. I feel like anyone that says this is a, you know, X is a definitive list of, the, you know, the greatest death metal albums of all time or, you know, the best water bottle stickers, just absurd. You know, you, you can never have a definitive list for something that's subjective, I think, which is a good segue into part two, a general guide to those uninitiated to list making. Again, you may be asking yourself, why are you here? How is this a party activity? Uh, We, at the Pierce Poets Party, we list. We make lists and playlists, and this is often, as I said at the start, how we communicate what we're enjoying and uh, to what extent we're enjoying it. And as a general guide, we at the Pierce Poets Party like to say, and this will be one of our our points on list-making skills that we'll expand on later, that lists are not just fluid, as Walsh just alluded to, but um, something that should be authentically you uh, in a way that I feel like a lot of people approach list-making to communicate their either, like, credentials you know they're they're listing out bands that they think other people would like them to you know have on the playlist or something to that effect or uh it's kind of showing off in some way the extent or or you know whatever they may be enjoying at the time if they're if it's a public list i feel like people tend to be a bit performative in their list making and that is not what we're going for here we're going for as true to ourselves, genuine lists as we can. Maybe in our album of the year deliberations, there are albums that I think, wow, I want to love this album so badly because everyone's given it so much buzz. Even even when Walsh and I were reviewing, we were on albumoftheyear.org going through some of the albums that our interlocutors had uh, chosen for their top tens. And we would look at the reviews on albumoftheyear.org and we'd be like, oh man, you know, Oliver Tree got some some pretty terrible reviews. It's going to be, 
you know, hurting the reputation to have this up. And then we just kind of laugh and be like, it's just so dumb. Like, who cares? We're all enjoying these tunes. Yeah. And I think some that we do have hurt our reputation. So <laughs> what even is a reputation right. anyways? Um, so yeah, uh, as far as what list making is and, and where it, in our, its place in our lives, it's a way for us to organize and categorize um, the vast library of music and information that exists right now. I feel like we are, as is often stated, in an information age, and it's just impossible to keep track of how many new releases come out every week, um, what kind of festivals are you know being put up. And it's just really nice to be able to gather information in, again, a way that's easy to digest, easy to remember, and uh, hopefully our efforts to make lists and playlists uh, takes the burden off of you a little bit. Because it's not that list making is necessarily easy, especially if you are doing a hierarchical, you know, one, two, three, four, five, countdown kind of list. Um, but yeah. Just as a, as a general guide, we think that list making should be uh, a personal practice, not a public facing one. Of course, you got to know your audience, but um, I think list making is just a, a helpful thing to do to, you know, organize your thoughts and relieve a bit of anxiety when you're overwhelmed with a particularly heavy week of, uh, of releases or even if you're going through backlogs. It's just a nice organizing thing to do. And I hope our organization helps uh, a few folks out there organize their own thoughts or inspire their own lists. Yeah. And I think um, as well as being an organizing tool and um, having a relaxation effect because of that, it's also when you make a list of things that you like, for instance, you're engaging with the things that you're listing as you're going about them. So it's, it's rewarding in that, um, you're, you're connected to the subject and it's, it's therapeutic in that sense as well. I'm already making a list of my own frustrations with how part two really could have just been integrated into part three. So I'm going to just jump into this uh, top 10 list making skills because I just keep bringing up some of these skills as part of the general guide. So perhaps this should have been a two-parter and I think uh, we can jump in now. This is a, a non-hierarchical list. These are 10 list making skills, but not necessarily being the 10th is the least important and the first is the most uh, these are just 10 that I think are valuable. Uh, I think the most valuable one we've already discussed is authenticity, so we'll save that for last. Um, but we'll start with just visual style and orientation. Of course, we all have our own mental lists and categories, but if you're not using a platform like Spotify, where there's you know not a lot of necessarily ways for you to customize that the way, you know, things look, you know, on a outside of the list level, you can't really, you know, customize much besides the, uh, you know, picture on it. When you're making your own lists, I think uh, a valuable skill is just to add a little bit of creative flair, you know, whether it's different style bullet points, 
you know, writing it in the list in different kind of orientations, whether it's slanted or across different pages, um, using different, you know, colored backgrounds, just any way that you can make a list less mundane uh, than the traditional list making skill <laughs> seems to be in the zeitgeist is uh, always a fun way to, to add to it. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm probably going to come back to this point um, later, but lists in themselves often tend to have tiers within mm-hmm. um, every list. So if, if you're aware of that, then that gives you a little more uh, creative and artistic freedom to maybe create separations or um, make um, distinguishing marks or spaces within the list. I always love when I see lists that have uh, their own creator's kind of signature bullet points. You know, if someone's created their own symbol or markation that they use to outline things, I've seen some pretty beautiful bullet journals that people use therapeutically. Um, so yeah, recommend giving some light focus to visual style if it's not an urgently made list, if it's not a list that you're going to keep for a while. Uh, next up is subtext communication. So it's one thing to have a, a list of, say, your favorite words or your favorite plays from the 1700s. Uh, it's another thing to have justifications and reasons uh, why beneath each kind of list-making point. Um, So you want to have the ability to give a little bit of context uh, to your, you know, bullets or your numbers, and of course the ability to argue and present information uh, for the inclusion on your list, uh, at least to yourself. So sometimes I've made lists in the past, especially lists that are like particularly fluid. I often wish that I had given a bit of argument to my favorite list that I have is my list of favorite things, which is just a list of, you know, everything that I enjoy the most in, you know, hierarchical order. And occasionally I'll look back on last month's and be very confused as to how something made, you know, the top 30. And if I had written a little bit of a, you know, justification for why it was included or what was going on in my life at that moment that made it uh, relevant to the list, like it would have, you know, gone a long way uh, to remind me of its value and its, you know, deserving position on the list. Where do uh, raindrops on roses stack up on on your list of favorite things i it hasn't made it yet i i, I usually don't go far wow. in the top 50 but i don't remember any other parts of that song but <laughs> i don't think any of them have made it unless I, is there a kiss in it um i think so i know woolen mittens is one of definitely them. i hate mittens hate mittens i'll look up the lyrics and <laughs> continue all right um of course and often overlooked one in my experience is title writing. So you can have some pretty generic titles for your list, like a list of favorite things. Or you can get, uh, you know, pretty wild and crazy and ambiguous and uh, keep people guessing as to what your list is about. This works especially well with playlists, I think. Public playlists or public-facing uh, lists that don't need 
I mean, perhaps for search engine optimization or discoverability, titles are important uh, for them to be, you know, somewhat relevant to what you're writing about. But I think the best lists are some that have a little bit of mystique uh, and hopefully they're still accessible uh, through that mystique to the right audience. But I love having, uh, you know, again, my one of my favorite playlists is just called The True Use of the Word. Uh, and for years, I didn't have the actual expletive, you know, what that word was uh, in the title. Now it's in brackets, just uh, just in case um, that adds any uh, appeal, because I think because it's an expletive, that draws a little bit more curiosity. But sometimes just leaving a bit of play for people to wonder, oh, I wonder uh, what kind of list this could be or what could possibly be included you know, what word is being used so truly here? Did you find lyrics? <laughs> I did. I did. So I will say uh, we've teased it previously and we'll tease it again. That playlist will be an episode in itself and the reasoning behind that playlist will be. Um, I think of all of these, your favorite would be wild geese that fly with the moon on their wings. <laughs> That's as close as it, as it comes. <laughs> Well, I mean, do you want me to read every one of them? I don't think so. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, if, if none of them are about... Whiskers on kittens? No, no, no. No, I don't think you really... No, I don't think any of these really suit you. Oh, too bad. Well, we'll have to write our own version someday. We won't. <laughs> Moving right along. Um... Something I'm doing poorly, I think, in this instance. I don't know if that's because it's an, an audio medium, but you can always do different voices and things. But my, my seventh one that I have on this list is delivery. So, it, you know, is your list written in gasoline burnt grass? Or is it is it screamed on an airplane or whispered in ancient Aramaic? The, you know, the, these are questions that you need to ask yourself when you want to make a list publicly available or at least send it to someone in particular uh, delivery can really make all the difference. You don't want the delivery to be too distracting from the actual content of the list. Um, but sufficient enough distraction, if it's recorded could bring the, uh, you know, observers a little bit closer to the action and want them to, you know, give a few watches, give a few listens so they really get the point after the initial shock and all. <laughs> I have no idea what you were talking about. <laughs> See, poor delivery of list point number seven. Lost the audience there. Well, you didn't know I was engaged. I just had absolutely no way of expanding upon that. <laughs> number six on this little list is knowing your limits and um, I guess knowing when to exclude items that uh, you really want to include on the list. So say you really need, uh, you only have you know, four spots in your car. You, know, you can only drive four friends to the festival. <laughs> but you have six friends to drive to the festival. <laughs> little basic maths you can only have a list of four friends you gotta know when and how to keep those other two off obviously that's a little bit of a silly real world example but 
in uh, the Pierce Poets Party realm. There's just every year that we've done any album of the year deliberation so far, and often when we're talking about, you know, even our sub vibes, which should have come out by now, it's hard to choose sometimes, you know, representative songs or or feelings or things, or when we do our merch episode, you know, there's a, a lot of merch items that I really love that I have, but I, I you know, you got to maintain a certain, you know, frame of t- time frame in order to keep an episode, you know, short. So just knowing the parameters of your list and making sure that you set out, you know, reasonable goals uh, for yourself. You don't want to have, I have for myself, like a list of my top 5,000 favorite artists and band. And I can almost never update that list because it's just way too overwhelming. So it's good to uh, set some boundaries before you go in making, you know, really grand, large lists and uh, knowing how to exclude things. It's good in my experience, as we do for album of the year to have, you know, somewhat strict parameters on what counts for your list. You know, we don't do any live albums or re-recordings or things of that nature. And there's certain time limits on, you know, what constitutes an album and track limits and that kind of thing. So just having ways to be able to limit your list uh, feels like a, an important skill. Yeah, and a list will do a lot of the work in speaking for itself. Like, there, there are, the difference between five and three is understood without having it to be stated so um yeah you you have to put a lot of thought into it but you don't have to put a lot of thought necessarily into justifying or um stating the uh reasoning behind different placements right yeah once you're at if you're doing a hierarchical list you don't need to necessarily have a justification for like the number where it's at more so just that it exists on the list itself. And then, you know, the very next thing that would like, say you're doing a top 10, but you have, you know, 16, you know, entries that are under consideration. It's always hard in my soul, you know, to keep those six completely out of the picture. So give a little shout out or something, but always remember to stay within the boundaries that you, that you set. And if you feel like, you know, all 16 need a voice, need a place, then do a, a list of 16. Don't do a list of 10. It just depends on uh, what you're going for. Yeah, the parameters indicate relevance. Mm-hmm. So if it's not a hierarchical list and something isn't present on the list, that's because it's not relevant to the list itself. It's a perfect segue. We'll skip up to entry number three, which is relevance. <laughs> which is, uh, so again, this is a kind of a self-evident one, but in combination and concert with title and boundary setting, it can be challenging not to include neighboring entries into like list, but I feel like the best lists, um, are very self-contained in their relevance. I feel like if you're doing, you know, if you're doing a list that's based on genre or something, it's, you know, very tricky because there's so many subgenres. But that's why we here at the Pierce Poets Party have done sub vibes instead, just to get a, a general feeling when we're talking about, you know, our, our genre pre- listening preferences as we will do 
throughout the year this year. But yeah, keeping things on a, a, a relevant scale is usually fairly easy if you have a, a clear picture of what you're going out for. And if you have a even a slightly ambiguous list, it's I don't, I don't think it's too much of a challenge to keep yourself from going way out of left field, but uh, I, I put it on this list just to, I feel like it is relevant to the list of list-making skills to include relevance. Like you don't want to go on any crazy tangents or, or distract from what the list is like actually trying to convey, if that makes sense. You don't want to put on your grocery list, like, you know, remember to stop at the bank necessarily. It can be a, a, a second title or part of a to-do list, but if you put it on your grocery list, you might have already forgotten to go to the bank by the time you're in the grocery store. Yeah, the bank's not in the grocery yeah. store. Why is it there? I mean, that's a bad example. There are lots of banks and lots of grocery stores. But... Not this one. Yeah, relevance. Moving along... Uh, I didn't exactly know what to call this one, but we'll say follow through. Um, I think lists sometimes are made to be made, which is fine, but I think a, a true list maker, someone who takes pride in the lists that they make, wants to give life to a list beyond its creation. So to be able to share the list is certainly, you know, step or phase one. But I think to use the list, to actualize the list in some way, say you have a, a bucket list for the year. Lots of people make, you know, bucket lists for what they want to accomplish in a year, or, you know, what they want to, to happen to them or for them to do in a given year. But to actually con continuously return to that list, check it off, share it, hold yourself accountable. Uh, even update it is kind of a, a different layer of list making that I feel like is uh, beyond the, the standard casual, you know, make a list just to get it out of your head process. Yeah, if a list is made in the woods and no one hears it, does it make a sound? Give lists the life and the audience they need to be witnessed, to be observed. That's what they deserve. Yeah, don't don't let your list just fade away. <laughs> they lose relevance with the loss of attention. They might. I, mean, I certainly have some, uh, you know, old lists of my favorite Godzilla monsters, my favorite kaiju. Do those lists mean anything to me anymore? Have I have I kept my knowledge and information on kaiju relevant? I could not possibly give them an updated list now. I, there's just too many monsters I don't know about. It's a sad state of affairs. <laughs> Terribly sad. Um, let's see. I have number two here, which is creativity. I think novel lists are essential for keeping the list-making profession a respectable one. If we want to keep list making, you know, relevant and beloved by the masses, this is kind of an advanced list making skill. Uh, you want to bring forward lists that 
have never been made. A list that is unique to you, a list that means something to your personal life, but is nevertheless entertaining or accessible to a, a different audience. So any, uh, any list that you can come up with off the top of your head that you think have never been done? Was that a question for it me is. or? Oh, have I made any lists? Uh, just rapid fire. Or any that can come to my head. Like list of, um, you know, the best socks <laughs> that are in, you know, your parents' dresser drawer. No. Are we talking about sock brands or are we talking about individual socks? <laughs> individual socks. That's never been made. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, if it's if it's something if it's something very specific, then you can pretty much um, guarantee that it hasn't been made. We can um, probably even go and, pretty general. Like you can, I'm sure things have been made like you know the best seltzer flavor or the best seltzer brand, stuff like that. But if you don't want to go hierarchical, you can just say you know the silliest art. That's ever been printed on a seltzer can, you know. Here's a here's a list of ten silly seltzer can arts. Yeah, and that's <laughs> good in that like what what can make a list unique where you can have the title of the list be entirely the same, but the um, scientific process going into the making of the uh, decisions of the uh, inclusions into the list can be completely different. Mm. So it's all about, it's all about method yeah, as well. It's a, a general skill for life methodology and sourcing. You don't want to accidentally include any conspiracy theories on your list. They, <laughs> you know, seltzer cans that just were uh, drawn up for some random Reddit thread, but have never actually been printed can't spread disinformation with your lists. You got to list wisely is what we're saying. A list is a very powerful thing and you, you have to bear that responsibility. You, do. you really do, but you have a lot of creative license. There's a, you know, little that, uh, the man that the, them can do to stop your list making, you know, skills. So you use that, uh, those creative juices to make yourself some, some good lists. Speak lists to power. Speak lists to power, write lists to power, publish lists everywhere. I want to see more list graffiti. It's just not common enough. We got to get some list graffiti up there. Let's print print some list stickers. Some list. Was, would Martin Luther (laughs) nailing um, (laughs) his pages to the church, would that be list graffiti? I think so, yeah. List pro- lists why the Catholic Church is bullshit. Protest, protestist. I think that was the, probably the first um, recognized instance of list graffiti. Yeah, I like that. We're gonna bring it back. That's a that's a Have creative to. list right there. That's a novel list oh, yeah. that Luther made. Just terrible ways that you're wrong about <laughs> everything. 
One of my favorite lists to make is ways that you are wrong, actually. Um, another uh, version of the subtext communication justification point is on a, a larger level, just justification for the existence of your list. So we have a point for justification, arg an argument for list entries, and then a larger point for justification and argument for the existence of a list in itself. So sometimes lists, again, are just silly. They're just fun to share with your pals. Other times, like in Martin Luther's case, there's a, a, a decided, important, political, community-changing reason why people need to see a list. And you should share that reason. You shouldn't keep it in the dark. Walsh is approaching the mic so cautiously. I was going to say, make the list you want to see in the world. I think we're, we, someone on there should make a list of all the ridiculous cliches that Walsh has into listing. And finally, we have authenticity, uh, which is... I think the uh, the prime punk point that we want to drive home here at the Pierced Poet Party. I should also make a list of, as to how many times I can say that phrase in one episode. Uh, but of course, while some lists might require your consideration of the audience, like we said before, and that general public appeal, I really believe that the best lists are those that are just made from the heart. You know, lists that don't care what's popular right now, that don't care, you know, necessarily what the uh, the trends are or what's going to get you the most views or clicks on your list or what's even the most controversial to stir up conversation. You, when you're making a list and putting it out there, you don't want to look back with regrets on your list. You want to be able to say, and it, I think the hardest part of this, at least for me, is knowing. So I feel, like, I feel like we do this unconsciously a lot of times, you know. I really like jazz music, much to the chagrin of Walsh, but a lot of times I tend to listen to it more often live or more often passively, and I very rarely listen to it in album form. And, you know, when we're going through our albums of the year, which is, I guess, our most, at this point in time, prominent and easily returned to example of list-making beer, I always feel like a little bit of, like, desire to include a jazz album up there in the top ten. But upon reflection, it just, like, there's just not a jazz album, you know, for the past few years, except for maybe Flying Lotus, that I've listened to and just really needed to share that this is, like, considerably better than, you know, a hundred other albums in my life. Uh, even if it's uh, something that I've, you know, only listened to a few times. On the other hand, there are albums that, you know, the week before we deliver our list, I've listened to the album for the first time. And at that point, you know, while I'm making the list, I, can, I just feel in my bones, like this is the album that needs to be in the seventh spot or wherever it may be. Um, because it just suddenly means a lot to me like stick to your guns this past year 
I don't think was sonically, you know, one of the top 10 best albums, but it just meant so much to me emotionally that it just had to be in that, in that zone. But now I'm rambling a bit, so. Well, yeah, well, I think that um, a lot of times, and I'll, I'll use the album of the year as an example, a lot of times you kind of set out to make um, a list on a particular subject to achieve a particular goal mm. that kind of changes over the course of making it. So what can happen with, for instance, our album of the year list isn't necessarily the albums that we listen to the most that year or, right. you know, what we consider the best quality albums of the year. It's more that the albums that we want to represent and that we can talk about the most and what, what is most engaging to us personally. Exactly. So, whereas I, I think that maybe I am made a better sounding album than pale waves. I can pale waves is it, it gives me a different feeling and a more unique perspective that I can bring and that's something that I want to talk about. So really, it's not as much like, yes, there can be a case made that they're all 10 of my favorite albums. It's also the 10 albums that I need to include for any number of reasons. Right. Much better said than I. Thank you. So I hope that's gotten the point across uh, regarding what we mean about authenticity. Authenticity itself is a big... Again, very punk philosophical question that we will talk about inexhaustibly over inexhaustively over the uh, next year and certainly until the end. Uh, we have lots of uh, folks that I know would love to come on here, uh, bring in a few books on and having an, an actual in-depth discussion on what that word means and how to live and manifest authenticity and that... Uh, Classic DIY punk authentic lifestyle, if it's even achievable anymore. But again, discussions for another time. But for now, I hope we've left you with uh, a little bit of desire and reason to maintain a list-making code of ethics when you're uh, setting out to make your lists. Yeah, and I, gen I generally do hope that this, you know, inspires people to make lists because that's w w the most enjoyable thing for me making lists is sharing them like i'll send them yeah. to you or a few other friends and then the the most gratifying thing is if they were to respond with their list on the same subject and then it's it's a becomes a discourse mm. of you know preference and um it, it's it's really an interesting medium of communication that um is its own um it's its own system of exchanging information, which, which I, I utilize a lot and I think is a very effective way to communicate. I think what Walsh is saying as we bid you all adieu is to, uh, you know, send your mom a list. <laughs> send your, send your yeah. friends a list today. Don't send us a list. Don't, yeah, send us a list. Why don't you? love to see it we'd love to comment compare and contrast uh, our our return lists with yours
And if we haven't mentioned already, you can do that on the Instagrams at Pierced Poets Party. We have been experimenting with going live on AMP, so if anyone out there does that, you can find us on Pierced Poets Party, occasionally going live, and we can talk about some lists there. You can call in even, I believe, on AMP. And uh, yes, we will have no shortage of playlists on the WRUW Pierced Poets Party live show for the rest of this year. But for now, this is your local Thinner of the Herd signing off.